So today I want you to, I want to start the message by helping you to understand that we are created with emotions. We are God's creation. Every one of us is God's creation. And when he created us, he placed inside of us the ability to have feelings, the ability to have emotions. God gave us emotions. We were created with these emotions. So we're people with emotions. Amen? Throughout the Bible, from beginning to end, you can see that people have emotions. Adam and Eve experienced the emotion of fear after they realized they were naked. Bible says they were naked and afraid. Cain and Abel, their son, their whole their sons, their whole story was was out of anger and jealousy. Abraham had trust issues and he panicked and he had fear. Joshua had courage, but at the same time he had fears and insecurities. David danced, he wept, he mourned, he lusted, he was angry, he ran for his life, he had plenty of joy. Peter acted out in defensiveness and cut a guy's ear off. Can you say he was emotional? (laughs) He also denied Jesus three times, and he felt the pain of that denial on the backside of it. He felt guilt. He felt passion. He had zeal. He had courage. But he felt rejection and hurt and pain. He suffered loss. Jesus experienced emotions. Joy. I can't help but believe when Jesus grabbed the little kid and he was teaching everybody and he put the kid on his lap, that there was joy inside of him, right? The Bible says that Jesus was angry one time and went in and cleared the temple out. Jesus had emotions. He felt compassion, sorrow. He knew what loss felt like, weeping, anguish, fear, pain, rejection, suffering. Watch this. He even knows what guilt and shame feels like. How you say that, Pastor? Because that's what he took from us. He carried it on himself. Paul knew what panic felt like, what tragedy was, pain, disappointment, loss. And I'll show you a little later in the message. Paul knew what anger felt like. So with just these few examples, I'm showing and proving to you already that we're people with emotions. That we have emotions. So the lie that says you shouldn't feel this way or you shouldn't do this thing or you shouldn't feel like that is a lie because we have emotions and they're alive inside of us. Right? In fact, we were created out of the emotion of love. When God created you, you were created. You got to wrap your head around this. You were created with the emotion of love. The Bible says that we're made in his image and in his likeness. We're made, we're created to to receive God's love and to reflect God's love and then to also give God's love away. That's what we've been created to do. Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, he said, you are to love the Lord Yahweh, your God, with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, with every thought that is within you, and with all your strength. This is the great and supreme commandment. He said, and the second is this, you must love your neighbor in the same way you love yourself. You will never find a greater commandment than these. Some translations say the second commandment is just as great as the first one. So the first one says to love God with everything that you got. That's basically what it's saying. You pour everything that you have into loving God. 
And the second one is just as great, love your neighbor as yourself. But it's kind of hard to love somebody if you can't love yourself. Some of us have real issues loving ourselves. But can I tell you, this verse commands us to love ourselves? Because if people are going to experience God's love and we're to love them like we love ourselves, then something needs to change about how we love ourselves. Now, don't get thinking that it's self-centeredness and it's self-righteousness and all these things. Listen to me. Loving yourself in a healthy way is a good thing. It's a godly thing. Because how can you not love yourself if God loves you? How can you not love what God loves? Some of you have beautiful hair. He loved you and gave you that beautiful hair. Some of us have beautiful skulls, and God wants to show them off. And he loves my bald-headed skull. Amen? I don't know where that came from. <laughs> David Brenner said this. He said, there's no deep knowing of God without a deep knowing of yourself. No deep knowing of yourself without a deep knowing of God. You see, here's the beautiful thing about God is that the more I get to know God, the more he shows me about myself. And the more he helps me to understand me. And the greater I can understand me allows me to greater understand God. So it's this thing that works back and forth. It works hand in hand. I get to know him. He shows me things about me that make me want to know more about him. He doesn't want me to be a secret to me. He wants to show me how he created me, how he wired me. He made me big and intimidating looking. But inside, he put a big old teddy bear. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> Keeping it a secret. I had this thought this week. Have you ever thought about how God sees you? Have you ever wondered how God sees you? How does God look at you when he looks at you? Some of you might be thinking, well, he's probably frowning. Maybe steam coming out of his ears. Some of you may be thinking, well, you know what? He's probably pretty satisfied. Maybe he's looking at me with care and concern. Some of you might, believe in, might be believing that he's just straight up laughing at you. And he might be. But he might be laughing with you also. Amen? So here we are today. And most of us are not quite sure what to do with our emotions. But we have them and we're not sure how to handle them or even what they're for. Psalms 30 says this, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping, watch the second half of this verse, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. That verse tells me a lot. It tells me that we, we do have emotions, that even God has emotions. It tells me that, that it, it even shows me that even God's emotions change. So watch this. When God gave us emotions, he gave them the ability to change. Say it with me. Say they can change. I don't have to always feel this way. 
It tells me that they can change overnight sometimes. Come on, somebody. Somebody needs that. It's that sometimes they can change. You can go to bed weeping, and you can wake up with some joy in your heart. It can happen that fast. It doesn't always happen that fast, but it can happen that fast. Just because you feel pain and sorrow and grief doesn't mean you have to carry that the rest of your life. It can change. So what are they? I want to answer three questions this morning. What are they? What are these things I'm feeling? (laughs) They're the result of your life experiences plus your thoughts about those experiences, either good or bad. Your emotions are like sensors. When you go through a life experience... And then you add to that life experience your thoughts and beliefs about you, yourself, others, God, the situation. Then comes your emotions. They're based on your thoughts and your perception. So it's a life experience plus our thoughts about that experience that lead to our emotions. What you believe about that experience will lead to the emotion you have from that experience, which then leads to the action you take. Come on, you got to understand that I'm going through something and what I believe about myself, others, and God is going to determine how I feel about it. And then how I feel about it is going to determine what I do about it. Amen? I wonder if what you're going through is not the thing that's really causing you pain. I wonder if it's what you believe about what you're going through. That is causing you pain or suffering or the emotions that you're feeling. What what if it's not the situation? What if it's your perception of the situation? What if it's what you believe about the situation? You see, if you go into a circumstance or a situation already believing that God's mad at you or that that he's upset with you and that something bad happens to you, then you're going to take on this new belief system that God's punishing you. Is that possible? What if it's not the situation? What if it's just what you perceive about it? Sometimes folks that have been sexually abused may start to think, I'm damaged. If you've been physically abused, maybe you'll start to think, I'm, I'm a bad person. If you've been verbally abused, maybe, maybe I'm not good enough. If you've been bullied, maybe I'm just an unacceptable person. What do you believe about what you're going through? Here's the truth. We can't always control what happens to us, right? Sometimes things happen to us that are out of our control. We can't control it. What if I challenge you to, 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 to come against maybe your normal or your, 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 your most common belief system? And maybe, maybe I'll challenge you today to maybe start thinking about the thing that you're going through that you couldn't control. Maybe if you start thinking about it differently. Can I challenge you with that today? Can I challenge you to challenge your own belief system? Don't just accept it for what it is. Don't just take it how it feels. Challenge what you think about it. A changed perception about what happened can change how you feel about what happened. 
What if you could consider that what you're going through is really not about you? What if it's really not about you? What if it's about the person that hurt you or neglected you or did something to you? What if it's about them? What if it's about their need to to hurt people to feel powerful? And you got something thrown on you that you weren't expecting. But now all of a sudden you got their junk on you. Come on. And now you're carrying this thing that somebody else put on you. What if it's not about you? What if it's about them? Instead of believing you're a bad person or you're helpless, maybe you can consider that that person is bad and they're, they're helpless and maybe they're the ones that need more help than you do. We can reframe the situation in a way that can return to that person their own stuff. Listen to me. When somebody does something to you or doesn't do something for you, you don't have to take that. You don't have to live with that the rest of your life. You can give it back to them. I'm not talking about vengeance because some of you are like, oh, yeah. Pastor said I could get them to know. I didn't say that. But you can return their stuff back to them. You don't have to carry that the rest of your life. Would that be okay? See, for years I felt abandoned because my dad left when I was young. Felt like I was no good. I believed that I was worthless. I believed that I wasn't good enough for him to to stay. I wasn't good enough for him to want to be around. And I lived in that belief system. It had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with him and my mom. And I carried their stuff for too long. Until finally one day God helped me give it back. That's your junk. I'm not living with it. Because if you can listen to your emotions in that way, they would tell you to do something different. They would tell you something different. Your anger that you're feeling about what happened to you or what wasn't done for you may be telling you that what happened to you wasn't right. It wasn't fair. Somebody did something to you that you didn't want or deserve. Maybe that's what your anger's really telling you. Instead of trying to kill them or pay them back, maybe it's just telling you that that wasn't fair. That wasn't right. But you don't have to be a victim. You want to be a victim, you can be a victim. But you don't have to be. You're not helpless. You can defend yourself now. We have a responsibility to not become a lifelong victim. Your emotions could be trying to tell you that. Second question I want to answer today is, why do we have these things? You ever wonder? <laughs> Come on, ladies. Yeah, y'all got a few more than we do, it seems like. I'm just saying, my wife will agree. Or we hide them better. Gio will correct me after service, and I'll get it right for the second service, but <laughs> both. <laughs> yeah. Why do we have them? 
Come on, when you're going through some bad stuff and you just got some bad emotions or some, some negative emotions, do you ever find yourself wondering, why I got to feel? Any, anybody? Why do we have them? I believe they're messengers. I believe your emotions are messengers telling you that you need to pay attention to something right now. What if that's what they are? What if your emotions are like indicators or like a smoke detector or something that goes off to say, hey, you need to pay attention to this right now? What if they're messengers? What if they're not bad? What if they're good? What if they're here to help us? To tell us and to bring attention to something that's not right. Sometimes they're telling you that something's wrong. Sometimes they're telling you that something's right. Sometimes they're telling you that it's safe. Do you ever hold a, a screaming baby and, and like you got the magic touch? I had this with maybe one of my kids. And you would, you would hold them and they would be screaming and mama couldn't calm them down. But you would get them and you'd put them on your chest and they would hear daddy's heartbeat. I wish it had happened more. And they could hear daddy's heartbeat and then they start to cry a little less. And then they get quiet and you can feel them begin to relax. And then this, is, this gets me every time. It's when they do that little. I'm just like. You got me. What you want? Right? What is that saying to me? That they feel like it's safe. They feel calm. You see, your emotions can tell me a lot about you. My emotions can tell you a lot about me. They're messengers. They're saying something to us. At times, they're reminding us of loss. Sometimes the sorrow of losing a loved one. Can I tell you today that listening to the guidance that your emotions offer you is maybe the best way to experience peace? Instead of running from them, instead of hiding from them, instead of suppressing them, what if you just began to listen to what they're offering you and then you can discover peace? The Bible says in Philippians that don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Watch this. You can't tell God what you need if you don't know what you need. What if your emotions are trying to tell you what you need, but you're running from them trying to tell you what you need? And you don't know what you need. So you go to God with a perpetual confusion because you won't stop long enough to listen to your emotions. I think David got it right more than anybody, really, because David would go to God and he'd just he'd throw up on God. Blah! He'd give it to God like it felt. Lord, you, somebody ran over my head. They, I went through the fire. I did this. They pushed me in the mud. Oh, my God. What was he doing? He was expressing to God how he was feeling, how it felt, and discovered what he needed. In the process. Then what I think is cool about this verse is that he says to thank him for all that he's done to remind you that he's been there for you every time you've gone to him. And also want you to notice what gets peace. Your heart and your mind. 
Where do you need peace more than anything? In your heart and in your mind. Come on, some of you can't fall asleep because your mind races too much. Hey, I've had those nights. Lord, tell my mind to shut up. Mind, shut up. When it comes to things in our past, what are our emotions saying to us? You see, this is a difficult one because sometimes people don't want to go back to their past. And I realize it can be difficult to go back to your past and try to process and relive past experiences. And, and a lot of times people don't want to do that because they're not sure if they can, if they can handle it. They're, maybe they're afraid to go back and, and get hurt again. Can I encourage you with that? If it didn't kill you the first time, it's likely not going to kill you this time. And by the way, you made it through. And the worst has probably already been done. So why not turn around, go back, process it, let God breathe on the whole thing, get a healthy perspective about the whole thing so that you can bring some, some healing to it, so that you can bring some resolution to it, so that you can finally get freed from it. Come on, you can't get freed from the past if you're not willing to go back and deal with it and gain a different perspective of it. I know it's scary. Nobody's saying, nobody's saying it's not scary. I get it. It's scary. I've had to go back into my past at times, and I didn't like it. I was too macho for that. But when I went back and God started to change my perspective on things, I found myself, Mr. Macho, weeping in the truck because I realized I spent so many years believing lies about that situation that it robbed from me. I realized what it stole from me. I realized what was a roadblock in my life. I couldn't experience the good things of God because of that bad perspective and because of my unwillingness to go back and change. My unwillingness to go back for healing and resolution. But this requires you listening to the stories your feelings are telling. You got to understand something. Emotions don't die. I want to say they don't die, they multiply. But y'all wouldn't know what I'm talking about. That's an old TV show that I'm not going to explain. But I want to explain. Emotions don't die. You can even try to bury them, but them suckers can dig. Go ahead, put 10 foot of dirt on top of them. They're going to come out. They're like a worm. They will find the surface. Right? They don't die. They don't go away. They just don't go away. They just don't magically disappear. It doesn't matter what you do or what you say. They don't disappear. They have to be dealt with. And we can handle our emotions poorly. Don't run from them because they'll catch you. Don't bury them because they can dig. Don't distract from them because you can't stay distracted that long. Don't minimize them because they're bigger than you think. And for the love of God, don't intoxicate them. Don't medicate them. Don't drug them up. Because you know what that does? That makes them worse. You can walk into any bar room. 
back road or tailgate in this parish and find somebody trying to drink their sorrows away. And every drink, it doesn't get better. It only gets worse. It gets magnified. It gets multiplied. It gets relived again. It gets hurt again. It gets bigger. It gets bigger. It gets bigger. And the, and the quality of their life gets worse and worse. They don't die. Let me show you a story. Paul handled his <laughs> Paul handled his emotions poorly one time. In Acts chapter twenty-three, it tells the story of of Paul. He was with the high priest and the the chief priest and the Sadducees and Pharisees. He was kind of like before a council. And Paul was trying to convince them of the good news, and they were coming against Paul. And Paul got frustrated. Ever get frustrated? Paul begins to lose it. Paul calls them a bunch of whitewashed pig pens. He said, you're a bunch of whitewashed pig pens. Now, that might not sound bad to us, but in those days, to some Jewish people, that was an insult. They said, somebody go slap him. Somebody walked over to Paul, slapped him in the face. Kid you not, it's in the book. Then Paul loses it. I mean, he goes off until somebody next to him says, bro, you're with the high priest. And then he tries to apologize, and they throw him back in jail. And Paul, sitting in jail, probably feeling like the biggest loser there is, probably feeling like a failure because he lost it. And I want to tell you something, when you read the Bible, most of the time when disciples go to prison, they get an angel. You remember reading the stories? They they get an angel, God will send an angel to either break them out or minister to them. Paul don't get an angel. Watch this. This is right after they throw him in prison. That night, the Lord Jesus appeared to Paul. And said to Paul, be encouraged, Paul. Just as, you, just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. Now you would instantly begin to think, well, man, Paul lost it. I mean, he lost it. And because he lost it, God turned his back on him. You might think God's mad at him. God's embarrassed by him. Where's Jesus? Standing right next to Paul in prison. And what's Jesus doing? Encouraging him. Be encouraged, Paul. Just like you've been a witness here, you're going to be a witness there. What is he doing? He's reminding Paul that I got a plan for you. And this, this you losing it doesn't end the plan. Because you see, Paul did lose it, but he didn't lose him. Amen? Paul lost it, but he didn't lose Jesus. And I'm not trying to give you permission to lose it. I'm not trying to give you an okay to lose it. You're going to lose it. But you don't have to lose him. I believe Jesus is the best example we have of how to handle our emotions. He's the example that we follow. When he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, I believe that's one of the most emotional times Jesus has. 
There was the time where he was angry in the temple. There was the time that he wept when he found out Lazarus was dead. There was plenty of times he was mad at Peter. There was plenty of times, you know, things just went on. And, and I believe in the garden, Jesus experienced the greatest amount of emotion and pressure. And we get to see the story. Jesus brings the disciples into the garden. He takes three of them and he goes a little deeper into the garden. He says, come here, would you just stay right here and would you just pray? Would you just pray that you won't fall into temptation, but just pray. I'm going to go over here and pray. And Jesus steps away. And the Bible describes it like he's sweating what looks like blood. All the anguish and the pressure of knowing what he's getting ready to walk through. If you'll listen to the words he says, he's asking God to remove this situation. He's asking God to give him a different way. God, would you take this cup from me? I don't know if I can drink it. That's what he's saying. I don't know if I can drink it. Would you take it from me? What is he doing? He's telling God how he feels. How he feels it. But here's what's important. When he's walking away, or before he walks away, he says to God, but whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Your will, not mine. There was a few times he went back to his disciples to check on them. And they were sleeping. Even if people aren't there for you, God will always be there for you. Even when people let you down and they don't meet your expectations and they're not to help, there to help you like you think they need to help you, you still process it out with God, just like Jesus did. Amen? Last point, last question is this one. Do I have to suffer? And I think this is a big question for a lot of us. Because I would guarantee you nobody would raise their hand if I said, do you like to suffer? Do I have to suffer? Listen to what Paul said in Romans. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we are certainly going to go through the good times with him. That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. Are you hearing that? We are going to go through everything that Jesus goes through. Don't be surprised. Don't be ignorant. Come on. You know what I'm saying? You know about it. Why not be prepared for it? Jesus never promised we wouldn't suffer. He did promise that he would be there for us and with us when we do. He promises to always be with us, even when we're suffering. But he never said you wouldn't suffer. In fact, he said, whatever I've gone through, you're going to go through it too. And by the way, you should never forget that one day when Jesus returns, we're going to go up to heaven with him and we're going to spend eternity with him where there is no suffering. So here's some good news for some of you. It's going in one day. Hopefully not the last day, but it's going in one day. And one day there's not going to be any more suffering. That's exciting. It tells me I'm going to suffer. 
That's what this verse tells me. I'm going to suffer, but it also tells me I'm going to experience some good times, some joy and some glory when I, when I walk with Jesus. I might suffer, but I'm going to have some good times too. Come on. I'm about to sing the song, Good Times. <laughs> Suffering usually comes when love, safety, belonging, significance, and understanding are threatened. But suffering can also come from some other places. Let me give you five causes of suffering. Number one, sin. Either someone else's sin against you or your own sin can cause suffering. Come on, look at me. Sometimes you can bring your own suffering on yourself. And sometimes people can bring suffering on you with their stuff. Right? Secondly, we can suffer because we don't get what we want or what we expect. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder if we ever really grow up. (laughs) I mean, we're not at Walmart throwing ourselves on the floor, but you're like in your bedroom throwing yourself on the floor. (sighs) Number three, getting what you want and not being satisfied with it. (laughs) Number four, having to endure the loss of someone or something that you love. And then number five, having to endure the presence of someone or something that you do not love. It can bring about suffering. So hear me clearly today. You will suffer. And it's okay. Do your best not to bring it on yourself. But you will suffer. But even in your suffering, God is still doing something. Because suffering shows us that we need to pay attention right now to what's happening because we're being given the opportunity to change. We're being being given the opportunity to do something different than what we normally do. You see, when you suffer, your attention should be brought to what you're suffering for. It should get your attention, and it should tell you that something needs to change. Don't do what you've always done. Something needs to change inside of you. Something needs to change around you. Something needs to change. Suffering is is an indicator that something needs to happen. It turns us around to face something we may be running from, but God wants to heal. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. Suffering can turn you around to face something that you've been running from, but that God wants to heal. If you spend your life running from suffering, you also spend your life running from, from a different perspective, running from resolution, running from healing, running from change, running from a better life if you run from suffering. So stop running from suffering. Let it do it. Let it do its work in you and allow God to change things around you and in you. then you don't have to run no more. Does that help? So will you suffer at times? Yes, you will. But it can bring about some good changes. Last verse, 1 Peter chapter 5. Powerful verse. And then after your brief Underline brief, 
suffering. The God of all loving grace who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ, watch this, will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, he will set you firmly in place and build you up. After you have suffered, God will personally, God, this is so good. You got to see he's a personal God. You got to see that he's getting involved in your restoration. You got to see that he's the one that's turning the thing around. He's the one that's restoring you. He's the one that's making you stronger. He's personal. He loves you. Can you ever love yourself as much as he loves you? Can you love yourself more than you love yourself today? It's personal. It's powerful. And that verse speaks. Think about it. God will personally restore you and make you stronger than ever before. After you suffered. You don't get to experience that when you're running. You don't get to experience it when you're hiding. Peter said, after you've suffered briefly, God will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever before. Plus, he will set you firmly in place and then he'll build you up. Can you say that's good? That's good. 